right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Matthew. Now, the last time we were here, we were in the second part, the second section of Matthew chapter 12. And basically the idea was the rejection of Jesus. That is the official rejection of Jesus by the leaders of Israel by calling Jesus demon possessed. And that that's the whole issue of the idea of being of one blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that at length. So let me say this. If you have not looked at that particular teaching, especially Matthew 12, part two, you really need to go and look at that because it becomes foundational for the continuation for what happens next. We see why Jesus does what he does, that is, in the future, as we move on throughout Matthew, why he says what he is saying, why he changes things in the way he has changes. It is because of what took place in Matthew chapter 12. So now I know it is very lengthy, but that is the one thing that I found out that most people don't understand and they don't understand why Jesus began to act certain ways or they even miss Jesus beginning to act in different ways. But anyway, go look at that video. Take your time and, and listen to it because it becomes foundational and pivotal. So let's just do our quick review on that thing that they call Jesus. That is the leaders. Jesus performed a miracle healing the man who could not speak and was demon possessed. The man also could not see. The leaders, the people began to wonder if Jesus was the Messiah. That is, they were particularly on the fence whether or not Jesus was the Messiah. The leaders began to try to influence and convince the people that Jesus was able to do the miraculous things that he did because Jesus himself was demon possessed. And that began the whole issue of rejecting of Jesus as the Messiah. And because of this, Jesus demanded that the people should come to a final decision, which which ultimately they will come to a decision. That is so, so as the leaders of the people, so as they go and so as they believe, so also will the people follow their leaders and the people will believe. And then we see Jesus begin to upbraid the leaders, that is the Pharisees scribes and all of those other kinds. That's the same group of people that Jesus is speaking to because of their unbelief. And what we see now is Matthew 12 is a pivot. And that's what you've got to see. It is the pivot. The nation has now entered into a rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus, therefore, because of this rejection, begins to deal with the nation in a different way, he rescinds the offer of his messianic of the messianic kingdom. That is and we talked about this at length, so I'm not going to go through it all again. But Jesus therefore says, OK, fine. You reject me because you said that I'm demon possessed. I will no longer be the king of Israel, the kingdom that was expected by the Messiah that the Messiah would bring in. I will not bring in this kingdom and I'm going to deal with Israel in a different way. And that's why we saw at the end of chapter 12, when some of those very Pharisees came and asked Jesus, 
for another sign, that is another messianic sign, a sign that proves that Jesus would give to prove that indeed he is the Messiah. We know that it's ridiculous. Why? He already performed so many signs among them. They had more than enough signs in order to believe. And so Jesus told them there will no longer be given them any public signs, public miracles that attest that he is the Messiah. No more because the the nature of his relationship with Israel has been changed. That is the collective nature. How Jesus responds to the nation as a whole is now different. No longer their Messiah. Jesus will now, that is, individuals will now have to respond to Jesus. No longer the, nat the national Messiah. That's off. The kingdom that they expected will not come. However, People can be saved by expressing individual belief that Jesus is the Messiah. But as far as the kingdom is concerning, and that's the thing that we have to get over because we've been so mistaught, so bad in the church. All this stuff about the going to heaven, the going to heaven, going to heaven. That was never the expected, never the Jewish expectation. The Jewish expectation was for the coming kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the details about the who and the why. And behind the heaven stuff. I'm not going to get into that. But the Jewish expectation was always about the coming kingdom. So it is a surprising thing that Jesus is saying that the kingdom will not come now. And that's the idea. But nevertheless, those individuals who express faith in Jesus as Lord, Lord and Messiah, they can be saved. But as far as the nation is concerned, the nation cannot be saved. The nation, because of its rejection of Jesus, will ultimately be destroyed. And that's what we see Jesus talking about in Matthew 23rd. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I truly desire to gather you to myself. Things of that nature. But notice, I leave your house to you desolate. Destruction for the nation because of his rejection of Jesus. But nevertheless, individual salvation will be granted to the person who believes in Jesus. OK, so it becomes a pivot point. Jesus will no longer give any more signs that he is the Messiah to the nation because he's not going to be their king anymore. And so therefore, Jesus continues his ministry in a new way with changed relationships. No longer the kingdom. That's why we talk about the end of 12 change relationships. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? Those who believe in the kingdom of God. OK, now, with all of that said, we, we're going to prepare to get into chapter 13. But remember, you must understand the change in relationship that took place in chapter 12. He is no longer king who will bring in the kingdom. The offer is gone. So now it enables Jesus to talk about something new and something different. All right. And that will be this new mystery kingdom of God. Now, with all of that said, we get into chapter 13. Chapter 13 is quite lengthy, but once you understand the foundation of what's going on, and that's the whole idea of chapter 12, once you understand this foundation really good, 
chapter 13, for the most part, becomes easy as Jesus began to speak in these parables. So even though it's lengthy, I don't know how far we're going to be able to get into it because it's so long. But let's do our best. See how far we could go. I would really like to be able to finish all of it so that you can get a collective understanding of what Jesus was talking about in a single teaching. Because when you bring it in a collective sense, you can sit back and say, oh, I see what's going on and I see what Jesus is trying to say. And I see how this pertains to us today because chapter 13 will very much pertain to us today. Okay. So without all of that, enough said, let's just simply go into chapter 13 and you guys remembering what you have already been taught about chapter 12, specifically from the moment they called Jesus demon possessed, the rejection of Jesus as Messiah and a new kingdom that is now being offered. Okay. Let's get into it. 13 and one that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach and he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, the sower went out to sow as he sowed some seeds fell that beside the road and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out and others fell on the good soil and yielded crop some hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, so now we open up chapter 13. Notice what it says. Now, here's the thing, the connection that you must see. That day, verse number one, it says what? That day, what day? The very day that the Jewish leaders were calling Jesus demon-possessed when he healed that man who could not speak, remember? who was possessed with demons. And this is that very day that they officially rejected Jesus as the Messiah. So this is the official rejection of Jesus as Messiah. Jesus continues on that day. Now, Jesus began to speak to them in parables. This is unique because as we will see later on in 13, and I'm not going to do what I normally do, get ahead of myself, but Usually Jesus did not speak to the people in parables. Okay. So, okay. Let me just, let me just deal with it. Let me deal with the text. Let me deal with the text. So I won't go all on, on the outside and I won't try my best not to get too excited because this is revolutionary what Jesus is beginning to do at this time. So let's just do the, let's, let me walk you through the commentary. Pray that I don't get too excited. So that day, which means things changed on that day, which highlights what I've been trying to tell you guys. From the moment they called Jesus demon possessed in Matthew 12, things changed. The kingdom was no longer given to them. Jesus did not function to them as doing signs and wonders to get the people to believe that he is a Messiah. 
no longer. Jesus no longer did miracles with people not having faith. No longer. That day, things changed. That day, Jesus offered a new kingdom. So let's just walk, walk the way through it. So he got in a boat. He withdrew from the people on that very same day and simply get in the boat so that he could be amongst away from the crowd so that he can teach. He sat down in the boat as a rabbi would normally do. Rabbis would sit. People would stand as the rabbi taught. And so Jesus began to teach the people from that boat, from the boat. He began to teach the people in parables. It comes from basically two, two words to throw alongside of. That's what the word parable means. So it is a situation to give a teaching of something that was understood by the people, uh, something understood in everyday life with a spiritual meaning that is attached to it. Okay. So there's a spiritual meaning attached to thrown alongside of that, which the people have a common understanding. And because Israel was clearly an agricultural society, sowing and reaping was, was understood by the people. So Jesus now began a new manner of teaching. And I'm not going to get into that because I almost did it the last time. We'll wait till we'll wait till we get to it in parables. And so he, he told the parable of the sower. Now, I'm not going to get into any explanation of the parable of the sower at this time for the simple reason Jesus himself is going to explain the parable of the sower. OK, but nevertheless, he gives the parable of the sower going out to sow seed and he gives four different cases number and we have to see the importance of these cases this the sower sows out the seed jesus is going to later on explain that the sower the son of man is the sower what you preach and teach about jesus believing about jesus okay the sowing of the word of god that's all it's about what you believe about jesus sowing along the wayside and notice now here's important as he sowed some that fell by the road, the wayside, the birds came and ate them up. The only thing that I want to make mention of here is, and I kind of feel like shouting it because we just don't get it. And I understand it. I understand it. That's why God gives us teachers to help us to understand it. So the birds pay attention to the birds. The birds are the bad guys in these parables. The birds are the people are, are the evil doers. The birds are messengers of Satan or members of Satan's party. That's all I want to really say about that now. But pay attention to the birds because notice the birds act in a negative way. So the birds throughout these parables, wherever you see them being mentioned in these parables, and I believe there are going to be seven parables in Matthew. The birds are negative. The bad guys, not good. Just remember that. So the four, the four scenarios that we have by the wayside, the seed been sown, the seed been sown in the rocky places, didn't have much earth because, you know, if it's rocky places, you need to be able to get into the soil in order to sprout up to grow. And then the seed been sown 
sown amongst the thorns. And you can kind of imagine like in our time, especially as in the South, we have grass called Johnson grass and, and it comes and chokes up the, the seed and it's not able to produce. It begins to grow, but it's not able to be productive because the Johnson grass, the, the thorns uh, choke it out. And then finally, the fourth case being sown on the good soil and then being the seed being sown on the good soil is able to produce different measures of production, 30, 60, 100 fold. You got it? So, and that's the idea. So that is the parable of the sower. Now, what must be understood about the parable of the sower, uh, you know what? I'm not going to deal with that yet. I'll, I'll talk about that as we move on. But the point that I want you guys to see is Jesus has on that day. Jesus changed how he began to deal with the people of Israel. No longer from a national perspective, no longer the nation as a whole as Messiah to be the king of the Jews. No more. This now will become individually based. That is each person will have must choose to accept Jesus as their Messiah or not in accepting Jesus as Messiah. That is the son of man. sowing the word about Jesus. You can individually be saved, but the nation cannot be saved. Jesus will not be their king anymore. The change, the change has come. So that's the most important thing that I want you guys to see. Okay. So now since Jesus is going to describe all of that, that is give us the understanding of the parable of the sower. Let's just keep going on and we'll deal with that more. So as we work through the text, verse number 10, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them to you. It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted for whoever has to him more shall be given and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing they do not see and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you will keep on hearing but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive for the heart of this people has become dull with their ears. They scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return. And I will hear them, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. 
Okay, that is a lot. And I am doing my absolute best not to become emotional, not to shout because I really want to shout. And there is so much depth to what Jesus said. So let me do my best to make it clear to you, saints. Okay, here we go. So now notice as Jesus spoke this parable concerning the sword, it's a foundational parable, okay? The disciples knew that something was different. That's what, and that's the point that I've been trying to tell you guys. On that day, things changed. So that I, I'm not going to go through all over it again. You heard what I said. The disciples are now uh, kind of confused, and they come to Jesus saying, "Okay, Jesus, why are you teaching to them in parables? Because remember, here's what you need to see: a uh, four times before this." Matthew chapter 12. So always remember that as long as you live. Okay. This rejection before this, Jesus would always speak to the people plainly. He would always teach the people plainly. You can see this in the sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters five through seven. Jesus did not speak to them in parables. He spoke to them plainly where they could understand what Jesus was saying. But now the teaching of Jesus is different. And because of their rejection of him, it will be forever different. He will no longer do. And here's what you got to see public teaching, public teaching in a manner that is easy to understand. From this point on, because of the nature of his ministry, and, and I hope you guys really got this, because of that rejection, Jesus now speaks to them in parables, and he will only speak in parables. So it caught the disciples themselves off guard when Jesus started speaking in parables, and so they came to Jesus asking, okay, Lord, what's up? Why are you teaching in parables and not like you used to. And Jesus made a distinction. He noticed what he says to you. It has been granted. All right. And then he says, but to them that is from now on those whose hearts gods have touched to believe that Jesus is Messiah. Those who are believing in Jesus, those who believe in Jesus, that's the to you and those who reject Jesus, namely the Pharisees. Now that's, you got to get it. The Pharisees are the key jokers in this scenario, but not only the Pharisees, but to all others who do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You only come to saving faith. You can save your soul only when you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So these teachings, so this manifestation or these revelations, God will only give to those who believe in Jesus. So what we have, there is from this point forward, a division. The division is, notice as Jesus said, to you, that is, to the disciples, to the disciples, to the apostles, to those, these are, they are representatives of people who believe in Jesus. They are enabled to receive 
additional revelation. Why? Because they believe that Jesus is Messiah and therefore they can receive this additional revelation. But to those who are the Pharisees have already, remember we talked about that in chapter 12 already, the first part, already made their minds up to reject Jesus' messiahship. And there will be others who will follow the Pharisees and reject Jesus' messiahship. To those, they will not be able to see. So that's what you need to see, okay? I'm speaking in parables to give revelation, to, to additional revelation, additional knowledge to those who believe in me. And to those who do not believe in me, Pharisees and others, I am closing their eyes. So in speaking publicly, notice what I'm saying. Jesus is speaking publicly to all, whether people believe or whether people do not believe, to everybody publicly, but only to those who believe in Jesus they are getting the understanding to what Jesus is talking about. But to those who do not believe in Jesus, they just don't get it. So Jesus is doing this in order to make a division between those who believe in him, those who don't, and to give additional knowledge to those who believe in Jesus and to those who don't believe in Jesus, they will be darkened even more. And that's what it's all about. So let me just work through the text. So that gives a division still working with verse number 11 to you. It has been granted to know it. Now watch what he begins to say. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Calming down. It is so beautiful. Notice now he is speaking to Jews. The Jews already know what the kingdom is. You got it. They expect the coming kingdom of God. And this is what I've been teaching you guys again and again and again. You have to look at the scriptures from the first century Jewish perspective, customs, teachings, all of these things, the expectation of the Jews. What did they expect? They expect that the Messiah would come bring in the kingdom establish Israel as the greatest of all nations and bring peace to the world. This was their natural expectation for the Messiah, the kingdom that he should bring. But what happened? Chapter 12, they called Jesus demon possessed. Therefore, you will not get the kingdom. That's what I've been saying again and again and again. You got to get it. You will not get this kingdom that the Messiah should bring. You will not get the kingdom that Israel will be restored. You won't get this. So Jesus began to speak of a new kingdom, a kingdom that was that is that has been a mystery. Now, this mystery comes from the word musterion. A mystery simply is something that is being revealed in the New Testament, namely by Christ, the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament mysteries that was previously unknown by those of the Old Testament era. So notice again, a mystery is something that is now being revealed through Christ, his apostles and the prophets of the New Testament 
to the which those of the old age, we would call it Old Testament people, they had no idea about. So what Jesus is now saying here is he is granting them to know the mysteries of the new kingdom because what the disciples and the Jewish people already knew about the knew and they were expecting about the kingdom. They knew about that. Isaiah talked about that. Zechariah talked about that. The prophets talked about the kingdom that will come, but they won't get it. This kingdom is put on pause until you have a new generation that will believe in Jesus. And then they will have the coming kingdom, the expected kingdom of the prophets. But for this time, there is now going to be a new kingdom, a kingdom that, 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 okay, slowing it down. This kingdom was never known by the prophets. That's what I'm trying to say. Isaiah did not know about this kingdom. Jeremiah didn't know. Zechariah, they did not know. The people of Israel did not know. The disciples and the apostles of Jesus did not know about this kingdom. That's why Jesus calls it a mystery kingdom. It is given to you, people who believe in me, to know about the mystery of the kingdom, this new kingdom that is to come. And in a nutshell, guys, the, and it's going to be explained throughout the parables. And in a nutshell, that is Israel will not receive the kingdom because they rejected Jesus. Therefore, there will be a new kingdom of believers, Jew as well as the Gentile. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter one, how God how the Gentiles have been brought into fellowship with the Jews through the body of Christ Jesus. And I don't want to make it hard. And Gentiles, both the Jew, but Jews who believe in Jesus as Messiah and Gentiles who believe in Jesus as Messiah will be brought into one body, one family of believers in Christ Jesus in a new kingdom. And then as this new kingdom is being brought about and even comes to an end at the end of the age. See all of this, that's why I wish I, I want to talk about all of chapter 13 in one teaching so you can see it all. Because as these new kingdom of believers, Jew and Gentile are brought into body of Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ, as they come into the end of the age, then will be the kingdom that has been expected by the Jews. You get that? So you will have an interruption. So get it. You got to get it. There is an interruption to the kingdom that is expected by the Jews. The, all that stuff I've been telling you about interrupted. Now we got a new kingdom, one that was a mystery, not known before, that's now going to be talked about. And as this new mystery kingdom comes to complete fulfillment, at the fulfillment of this new kingdom, and that's what the, all of the parables are all about, at, at, the, at the fulfillment of this new kingdom, once it is done, then we're going to go back to 
We're going to get back on schedule with the coming expectation of the kingdom of the Jews. So the, the kingdom that the Jews were expecting, you are going to get it, but it's going to be an interruption first an interruption with what a new mystery kingdom. You got it. Okay. So without that enough being said about that. So let us move on. So Jesus is saying 12 for whom, whoever has been given more should be given. In other words, those who believe in Christ Jesus, you, you've been given, all right, you're saved. God will give you additional revelation, additional revelation concerning this new mystery kingdom. But to those who have rejected Jesus as Messiah, you will not understand Jesus as he speaks in parables. You got it? So this additional revelation knowledge, you won't understand it for the simple reason you have rejected Jesus as Messiah. And so therefore, even that which the Jews, the Jewish leaders thought they understood about the Messiah, it becomes darkened within itself. That's what it means by even that which you have will be taken away. And that which you have, he's talking about knowledge. So another, so nutshell, those who believe in Jesus, they receive additional information, revelation, understanding about the new mystery kingdom. Those who reject Jesus, they are darkened by these parables. They don't understand it. And even that which they thought they understood is being taken away from them by these teachings of Jesus in parables. And so Jesus continues to say he is teaching this way to fulfill Isaiah 6. Uh, chapter nine. And we know, and I don't want to get into all of the details, but that's the, uh, that is the call of Isaiah chapter six. And that's what we see. And when Isaiah is called, he is given a message to preach, but his message to preach is unique. It is not a message to open people's eyes, to soften people's heart. It is a message of judgment to shut their eyes harden their hearts. This is what we call, and if you've been following me for a length of time in my teachings, this is what we call judicial hardening. This is when a people have rejected God for so long that God hardens them so that they will not see that they will not hear so that their hearts will not be softened. And notice as he says in Isaiah six, until God brings judgment on the nation because Isaiah is shocked because he said, what kind of preaching is it that a man should preach and people should not be saved? A man preach and people should not hear. And God says, you preach this way, shut their eye. I want you to because I don't want them to be saved because I have determined to bring judgment on them. That is the fine point of Isaiah's preaching. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He's bringing the prophecy of Isaiah. Why am I speaking in parable? Because it is the mindset of God to bring divine judgment upon those who do not accept Jesus as Messiah. Again, once again, this is the division. What did Jesus say? To you, it has been given. You get the knowledge. You get the blessings. But 
to them, those who reject me, Pharisees and the like, they are in darkness. They suffer judgment. This is the same idea as what God was speaking through Isaiah in the speaking of parables. It brings judgment to the unbelievers. Why? Because they sit in darkness and they will even be given even greater darkness. Okay. That's why he says what notice keep on hearing notice. Imagine Jesus talking in parables, keep on hearing, but what you still won't get it. Keep on seeing. So they're hearing Jesus. They're seeing Jesus and still they just don't get it. Who don't get it? Those who do the unbelievers in Jesus don't get it. The rejecting Pharisees don't get it. The people who don't believe that Jesus is Messiah, they don't get it because this is the them to them that Jesus was talking about. Right. Because why? To the disciples and believers, they get it. So in other words, the prophecy of Isaiah, as Jesus is quoting is judgment to those who do not believe that Jesus is Messiah. But on the other hand, blessing to those who believe that Jesus is Messiah. What blessings? Blessings of knowledge and revelation and even particularly here, blessing to understand that mystery kingdom of God. Since the kingdom is not coming to Israel anymore, there is a new kingdom. But what is this new kingdom all about? Those who will understand what it's all about are those to you that Jesus was talking about. You will get it. In other words, you will understand these parables. Okay. Concerning the new kingdom. That's why he says in 16, blessed are your eyes because they see your ears. See, you see it now to you, my disciples, your eyes are blessed. Why? even though I speak in parables, things that seem difficult to understand, it has been determined for you to see and understand it. So it's a blessing to you because you can see and understand these things that I mean in parables. So it's a blessing. Okay. Then he says in verse number 17, for truly I say to you, many prophets, now you got to catch it. Many prophets, righteous men desire to see what you see. Desire to see what you see, did not see it. Desire to hear what you hear, did not hear. Oh my God, it's wearing me out already. Notice the prophets and righteous men. What did the prophets and righteous men speak of? Stay in context. If anything, guys, you remember of all of my teachings, always stay in the context. What did the prophets, Isaiah, Zechariah, all the stuff we keep talking about. What did the prophets and righteous men already see and know they saw and talked about the kingdom that is the kingdom that God would give to Israel. Once Israel received Jesus, that is Messiah as her King, it would be restored the restoration of all things. That's what the disciples talk about in Acts chapter one. We ain't going there, but the prophets and wise men, the righteous men, they knew about the kingdom. You see it? They already knew about that. 
But notice what Jesus says to his disciples. The things that I'm teaching you, they had no idea about. They never saw it coming. This is the mystery kingdom. Notice, notice again, go back to verse number 11. To you, it has been granted to know what? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So, so I won't beat a, a lame duck to death. The prophets and righteous men of the Old Testament never saw this new kingdom. All they saw was Israel being restored under her Messiah and the Messiah being made king of Israel and king of the world. That's as far as they saw it. What makes a mystery a mystery means, as I said to you earlier, it was previously unknown. But now, guess what Jesus is doing? That which was unknown by the prophets of the Old Testament, he is making known to his disciples, as we would say, in the New Testament era. That's why he said, blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your ears. Why? Because you are seeing and hearing things that the prophets of the Old Testament never, ever saw. You are seeing a new mystery. Okay. So then the question becomes, what does this mystery entail? What does this mystery involve? How should we understand this new kingdom? What does this new kingdom consist of? Since since is no longer a Jewish kingdom. Notice what I said. Take 10 minutes. Think about that. It no longer simply consists of a Jewish kingdom in the sense of the mind of the Jews. You got it? Their mind sense. Israel and all of that. What is it all about? And that's what the rest of chapter 13 talks about in the parables. It reveals the nature of this new mystery kingdom. You got it? Okay, let's keep going. 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself but it's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the this is the man who hears the word, understands it and indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, 60 and some 30. OK, now Matthew, Jesus gets into the explanation of the foundational parable of the sower. Now, notice you guys keep hearing me say foundational pattern, foundational parable. That's because when you look into Mark, I think Mark chapter four, 
Jesus lets us know because each one of the gospel writers may tell us a little additional information. He says to the disciples that if you do not understand the parable of the sower, it will be impossible for you to understand the rest of the parables. So therefore, this is why I'm saying to you guys, the parable of the sower is the foundation parable. The foundation is the basis from which the whole house is built. If you do not get the proper understanding of it, you cannot get the proper understanding of the rest of them. Okay. So it's foundational. So therefore he starts off by giving Jesus tells us the meaning of all of these things. The man, Jesus is the son of man who goes out to sow the word of God. That is the preaching of himself that Jesus, that is preaching about Jesus. Jesus is our Lord, our God. He is the one who took flesh, one who died on the cross, rose from the dead. That's the ultimate preaching of the gospel that we have, okay? But let's just stay, stick with the generalities of Jesus' parable. Teaching concerning Jesus, all right? Preaching concerning Jesus. So when the preaching comes to a man and the one that is sown by the wayside, remember I told you about the birds, but we ain't gonna get into that right now, but the birds are the bad guys, birds are the evil. And it is quickly sown by the wayside, he doesn't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches it away. And that's what it, and that is Satan snatches it out of the man's heart and it becomes unproductive. One who hears the word of God, that preaching concerning Jesus, preaching concerning the death of Jesus, why it was necessary. And I don't want to get into all of these dramatic details. Why is Jesus death necessary? Why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? The preaching concerning Jesus, when you hear that, and then it, the man has no understanding whatsoever. This is indicative of the first case. Seed that is simply sown along on the wayside, bird comes, Satan comes, snatches from his heart. It does no good whatsoever. In other words, we kind of like say today, water on a duck's back. He hears it in one ear, goes out the other. The preaching of the gospel does no good at all. First case. The second case is seed amongst the rocky places. Here is when the word comes and the preaching concerning Jesus. And I've seen these things in my lifetime. And so have you probably. And, and people receive it. They hear it and they simply have an emotional response. What happens? You hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is some measure of understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, but because it's sown in the rocky places, it does not take root in the heart. You simply have an emotional response. You hear the word, you're happy because of the word, but the word did not take root. Why? It was in rocky places. You need a good soil, not rocks in order for the word to sink in, to grow, and to become productive. So in the end, such a one is not saved. So in the first case, what do we have? The, the word preached, 
not understood in one ear, out the next ear, the individual unsaid. Rocky places, you hear it, you, there's an emotional response, you're glad, you're joyful about it, but still it does not sink into the soul and produce the word, the word of God, the preaching of Jesus does not sink into the soil of the heart. It only produces, if you'll let me say it that way, person in church, they, they, in, I've heard, I enjoyed it that day. I, I enjoyed the message that day, but still they're not saved. I enjoyed what you said about Jesus. That really touched me emotional response, but still the word does not sink into your heart and change you. You are not a true believer because, okay, let's just keep going. So again, second case, not saved. Third case, the seed was th sown among thorn. And what happened? Think about the thorns. Johnson grass, it, it, it begins to grow up and then the Johnson grass chokes it out and the seed, which you normally expect to produce a fruit, the seed is unable to produce a fruit. So therefore it becomes unfruitful. Now in the third case, it, there are some who, and, and it's kind of difficult. Is this individual saved or not? I, I don't want to be dogmatic about it, but it seems to suggest no, because what a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by the fruit that it bears. The whole point, what Jesus is bringing out here is the seed, the preaching concerning Jesus does come to the individual, but what he's worried about the world. He's worried about money. He's worried about his life in this world. And what does it do? It chokes the productiveness, it chokes the fruitfulness of the seed. The individual never bears the fruit of a person who has truly been affected, infected with the gospel. When you are truly a believer in the gospel, you act a different way. You think a different way. You live a different way. This is what it means by the producing of fruit. But notice what happens to the seed. The seed never produces fruit in the third case either. So neither in the first case along the wayside, second case among the rocks, third case among the Johnson grass. Neither case produces fruit. So it seems to, so we know clearly in the first two cases, not saved. The third case, it seems the person is not saved. Why? Because it didn't produce fruit. So that's the idea. Only in the fourth case, the good ground, the good soil, does the seed planted in the good soil rises up and produces fruit, what? 30, 60, 100, by the producing of fruit, that is the life that they live. The, the, the fruit of life, how we live our lives, and it is to a degree. We do, do we do well, but the bottom line is, here's the bottom line. Regardless to whether it is a lot or a little, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, notice hundredfold is a lot, sixtyfold is in the medium, thirtyfold is a little. It doesn't matter in that sense. If a person is a genuine believer in Jesus, 
If you have truly believed in the gospel that has been preached about Jesus, that's that word that has been, if it has received in the good soil of the heart, it will produce fruit in some measure, whether a little or whether it is a lot, it will be evidenced. It will be seen in the life of that person by the way that they live. Fruit is something you see. Fruit is something that you go and pick. It will be seen. A true believer will show by the way that they live. You truly believe in Jesus. Okay, so that's the point. So Jesus gives the foundational point of the, of the, of the sower in that, slowing down. To such a one who believes in me as Messiah, he will produce fruit in his life. To all others who have not received me as Messiah, those who are not true and genuine believers, they never produce fruit. First, second, and third case. This is the foundation of the sower. Okay, the parable of the sower. This sets the foundation for those in the new kingdom, the new mystery kingdom. We still haven't talked about the nature of it, just the foundation for the foundation of the kingdom is you must believe that Jesus is Messiah, the son of God. When you hear that preaching, true belief will produce fruit. You are saved. OK, now we are talking about the nature of of that kingdom, other things associated with what? The mystery kingdom, not the kingdom of the Jews, but that mystery kingdom, which we call, and now let me, let me just say it to you in clear terms so that you guys don't understand it because I don't want to give you a bunch of theological mumbo jumbo, a lot of stuff <laughs> that I heard sometimes in seminaries, sometimes people say just try to look smart. I want you guys to get it. The new mystery kingdom is nothing more than the church. All right, so now let me look at the time. Let me see how much time I got. Oh, it's already 53 minutes, so we won't be able to deal with it. All right, maybe we'll, let's just see how far we can go. By the new mystery kingdom, that remember the whole point, Jesus said, the prophets desired to see it. They did not. That is the church. And when we get into the book of Ephesians and other scriptures in the New Testament, it tells you the church is that mystery, that thing that was not seen. The coming of Jew and Gentile together into one body of Jesus Christ without the keeping of the law of Moses. And that's all I'm going to say about that. The keeping of the law of Christ, keeping of the New Testament commandments, Jew and Gentile making what we call the church. Now, let me identify the church. The church can be understood in two basic uh, perspectives, that is the visible church and the true church. And you must get a grip on this understanding in order to understand the rest of the parables that Jesus is about to talk about. The visible church, the visible church simply is this. All those who profess Jesus as savior whether they be genuine believers or not. Anybody, all people who profess Jesus to be 
their Lord. All right. In other words, you got a lot of people who say, and I hear this crap all the time. I know the Lord. I know the Lord and blah, 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 blah. They're saved. You have a lot of people in our churches today. And this is very important, saints. This is very important, saints. This is very important, saints. As I work through the parables of the kingdom. A lot of people in the churches today. First of all, you got all kind of churches and I'm not going to get into all of the different churches, different denominations, different belief systems, the different number of people who sit in the pews of the church. But what is simply meant by the belief, the, 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 the physical church is the first perspective is anybody who claims to be a believer in Jesus throughout all the ages, throughout the whole church age. All right. It doesn't matter whether you saved or not genuinely saved or not people who profess it. You got people in your family who profess that they know Jesus and are not genuinely saved. You may be a professor of Jesus and not truly saved, but I'm not going to get into that. That's why the Bible says, judge yourself, whether you be in the faith or not, but I'm not going to get into that. So that's the whole, that's the first case, the genuine body. Now, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said it wrong. The, 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 the visible body, of all who say that they are believers. That's number one. That's called the visible church. Okay. Now the true church, the true church is the body of genuine believers, not just the people that you see, but like Paul said in a great house as Paul speaking concerning the church. Okay. In a great house, there are many vessels, some to honor, some to dishonor. Then he continues to say, what? The Lord Jesus knows those who are his, those who are genuinely saved. And therefore, those who are genuinely saved, let them depart from iniquity. The true church or the genuine church are those who are within a subsection of the visible church. Those who are within that visible body, but they are the ones who are genuinely and truly saved. And that's the distinction that you need to make. Okay. So as Jesus begins to deal with these parables, you need to understand the kingdom. When he began to say the kingdom of heaven is like, he is speaking about that mystery kingdom. The mystery kingdom that Jesus will be speaking about is the church as we know it today. All right. The church as we know it today. And that mystery kingdom has two parts of it. The visible church that we see all those who profess Jesus, whether they saved or not, everybody who professes Jesus and that other part of the church who those who are truly indeed saved. Okay. So as we begin, so you know what, this will be, this video has been going about an hour now as we enter into the parables. All right. 
That is that mystery kingdom that Jesus is now going to reveal to us. He is going to talk about in these in the parables of chapter 13, the nature of that kingdom. And I, when I use term, I hate to use stuff like that, guys, because I think that you don't you don't understand it. What is all about? OK, what the church will be all about, because the church is that mystery kingdom. The nature of that kingdom, things that are involved concerning the kingdom that will be involved concerning the church. Things that will be involved concerning the end of the church age. OK, so as we close this video, Jesus will continue. So thanks for joining me on all of that stuff. It is imperative that you understand that Jesus is now talking about since Israel has rejected him as the Messiah and they will no longer receive the kingdom. Jesus now reveals to them a new mystery kingdom that was never foretold in the Old Testament. This new mystery kingdom will be what we call today the church. And the way that this new mystery kingdom must be understood, the visible church, all who profess Jesus as Messiah, some are saved, some are not. And then that true church, those who are genuinely saved. And so as we end, as we continue in the teachings of the parables in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is now going to tell us some things about the nature of this new mystery kingdom, the nature of the church. What Jesus is going to, let me use this word, prophesy what the church will be like, what the church age will be like all the way up to the end of the church age before he actually brings in that kingdom that the Jews will be expecting, that they expected in the first place. I hope you guys got that. But nevertheless, go back, re, re, look at this teaching once again, because you want to get a firm foundation on these two sections, Matthew chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 13. And it begin, it teaches us why Jesus does what he does from that point forward why he teaches the way he teaches, why he does the miracles in the manner, he does no more public Messiah things, why he does all of these things, and even as Jesus will enter into the private training of his disciples, the private training of his disciples. I can't get into all of that in one teaching. Thanks for joining me, guys. If God has blessed your heart through these teachings, I once again ask you, support the ministry, Monthly, I do need more monthly supporters and support it with a donation. Help me to bring these teachings to you. Like, can I say it like Jesus says? Because to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So help me to bring this revelation knowledge to you because it is God's intent for you to understand these things. But anyway, guys. I need your support. Thank you for the support that many of you have already given. Love you in Christ Jesus, and I cannot wait to continue on with the teachings of the parables of 
the kingdom. See you next time.